dead. I don't understand. How many Star Wars fans do we have? Star Wars. Who likes it? Who likes Star Wars? May the Force be with you. Thank you. That's a really bad joke, but it's May the 4th today, and so I, I don't know. It's bad. I tried it the first service, too. They see, y'all got it after, because it's good. So May the 4th. So, so there you go. There you go. May the 4th be with you. That's a really bad joke, uh, but corny jokes are fun sometimes. So anyway, we do want to tell everybody how happy we are to see you here today. And so for the people watching online and our podcast, my boy Pat, everybody listening, we want to tell you how happy we are that you're here. And so today... Um, I'm particularly excited about this message because it's a message that I feel touches all of us uh, in a different way, maybe, uh, because we have so many different life circumstances that take place, but particularly I understand what it's like to feel trapped. So the goal today, I want you to look at the person beside you, sitting closest to you, and say, we're going to break free today. Say it to somebody close to you. Say, we're going to break free today. Say to the other person that's close to you, on the other side of you, you got bad breath, that's why I didn't talk to you first. All right, so the, the goal today as we leave is we're going to break free, all right? We're going to break free because, listen, for you, wherever you are, it doesn't matter if you're a church person that comes every week and you've grown up in church and you know all the answers and you had the flannel boards in your house to teach your kids and all that stuff, or if today's the first time that you've ever heard the gospel, the goal for every single person as you leave here today is that we break free, and so that, that's what... That's what we want for all of you. And the reason that we want to break free is because a lot of us, if not all of us, maybe this week, certainly for me it was this week, but certainly at some point in time in the last little bit, we felt trapped. Whether it was in our circumstances, like a job, whether it was a family situation that's so difficult that you don't know what to do to get through it, whatever it is in your life, almost all of us, if not, I believe every one of us, right, have felt like we're trapped in something. And, and here's what's so frustrating is a lot of times I don't want to go back to the old habits that I have. I just find myself tracking back that way, and eventually I get stuck. And I don't know what to do, and I want to get out, and I don't know what to do, and I want to get out. And I constantly say this when I leave church. Man, like this time for real, for real. Like, I'm not kidding. I'm going to stop doing the stuff that I'm doing because I want to be free from this junk that I do all the time. Y'all feel that way sometimes? I hate it. I hate it. It's like the, the thing probably in my life that I dislike the most is knowing what I'm supposed to do and knowing what I'm not supposed to do and wanting to live for the Lord, wanting to have freedom and feel like I'm constantly trapped. Because the thing that it drives me crazy because I feel that way all the time. This week, I just want y'all to know, because of circumstances and because of some things that were going on, it's a really difficult week for us. And about halfway through the week, I looked at Lee and said, doggone, the message is speaking to me because I certainly feel trapped right now with what's going on. So, how many of y'all know what this is? Y'all know what these are? I'm going to open them. I'm trying to keep them closed. Y'all know what these are? Mouse traps, specifically like the sticky glue traps. I should stick it to my nose and see what happens because that would be awesome. How many of y'all have had these in your house? You've had a mouse problem? Really, it's not many. That's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, so, like, if you're a guy and you have mice in your house and you're single or you live, you know, you got roommates or something, it's really not that big of a deal, is it? We're cool. I mean, I'm not saying we want mice in our house, but it's kind of like, ah, mice are in the house. Ah. If you have a woman that lives in your house, listen, I don't know what it is, and I'm not saying, I'm sure there's a couple exceptions to the rule, but something in y'all's DNA loses your freaking mind. Like, so let me give you an example. Lee and I had been married a few years, and 
um, we see this little critter run across the house, and I'm like, dadgummit, there's a mouse in the house, right? Dadgummit, we got to get rid of that dude. Oh, my gosh, what is that? And it's just freaking terrorizing, screaming, because this horrible, horrible two-ounce mouse is going to kill us. It is the worst thing ever. And I'm talking about shrieking. Your the hair on your neck stands up. And there is nothing good. Y'all know what I'm talking about, men. That's going to happen in my house, right, until the mouse is gone. We got to get rid of that mouse. And they lose their minds. It is unbelievable. So I didn't have a choice. Like I wasn't like, I wonder if I should go kill that mouse. It was like, we're going to kill that mouse. I just read the instructions, by the way, on the box that's below my seat. And it said, spread them out every five to eight feet around the house and stuff, because if you got a bunch, it's, it's bad. And uh, then the best part, <laughs> I didn't say this earlier, uh, don't put them near birds. How many of y'all would love to see that? I know that's horrible. I'm probably just an awful person, but this is funny, because whatever. So, so we had a few mice. It wasn't one my, mouse, one mice. It wasn't one mouse, and so we spread them out, and we had uh, dogs, and we had a little bitty baby. Lainey was little bitty. And so we spread them out on our baseboard heater, which means they sit off the ground. If y'all have never had a baseboard heater, it's great. We did. That's the only heat we had for a while. So it sits off the ground, you know, about this high, and we would spread them out. And my thought was, it's really dumb to put them in the den because that's where we spend most of our time. There's no way a mouse is going to come out here. They're going to go in the kitchen. They're going to go in other places. There's no way they're going to come out here. So I'm sitting on the couch. We're watching 24. By the way, it comes on tomorrow. <laughs> It's because it comes back. None of y'all like 24. You should watch it. But anyway, uh, we were watching 24, and we got this huge entertainment center and a flat screen TV, and we're sitting there with all, and it's big, right? And so I'm just into 24. I think this was before DVR, because I don't remember being able to pause it, because I would have paused it. <laughs> and I just see this little critter just come out of the entertainment center, like on the baseboard heater. Just like, and you can hear his little feet. And I'm like, I'm here, and you're, what are you doing, right? It's that whole feeling of like time's almost moving still because I'm like, you're stupid. Why are you, why are you in here? Now, I know that this is enticing to those dudes. And I had put a little dollop of uh, peanut butter on the middle to make it a little extra. So it's like crack plus chocolate for the mouse. So like it'd be a little bit better. But like I was still thinking to myself, they're all over the house. Go to one of those. Why are you in here watching me? And then the worst part, I don't know if y'all have ever seen this in live action. Probably most people haven't because I don't think they want you to see this happen. It was like a horror movie. So I'm watching it, and it sees me. Like, I'm where the drum set is. And then it sees me across the room. And you see this little whiskers doing like this. You know, whatever they think. And right, and so it's looking at me, and it's thinking, and I'm like, there's no way you're this stupid. There's no possible way you're going to look at me, the big, humongous human. You're going to know that I didn't set out good things for you because... This isn't Cinderella, and I'm not your friend. And so you look over, you see it, and then it looks straight back at the trap. Never even considered not going. Walked straight over to it and pounced on that sucker. And the whole time I'm looking at Leah going, really? Like, how stupid can that mouse be? And at first, I'm telling y'all, it didn't even know that it was trapped. Like, it was just enjoying what lured it in. And then after... Just a couple seconds, after just a couple seconds, it started freaking out. And if y'all haven't seen it, it's not fun. It really isn't. Um, even though I don't care for mice, I don't want to be inhumane. And so it's not fun. And I got my size 14 steel toe boot and I ended it. You're welcome. But I, because <laughs> all the women, y'all, this is the best thing. All of y'all hate 
mice, and then you get sad that I killed it. Because they're like, oh, you should have let it go, let it go, let it go. But that's what, that's what, right, that's what y'all really want. That's what y'all really want. Y'all want me to let it go, but you hate it. So, no, I killed it. So, it's good. It's good. One less mouse. But, like, up to the point, up to that split second point that it realized it was trapped, it was happy as can be. It wanted it, it wanted it, it wanted it, and then all of a sudden it freaks out, and it starts going crazy. Y'all, don't, don't look this up because you really would see something you wouldn't want, but they will actually chew their limbs off out of fear. They will pull and gyrate so hard to try to get free, and the more that they pull, those traps are made to stick even worse. And it's crazy. And as I thought about this story this week, this is what I thought about. That mouse was stupid. How dare it go with me watching? I mean, what was it even thinking? And yet that's me completely through and through with my life every single day, isn't it? That's, that's how we live our lives. I can't tell you how many times I've left church or left listening to a podcast. I listen to several sermons every week uh, to get fed or whatever, and I read the Bible, of course, and I do all these things. And I have these intentions when I leave of, or, or after I've read God's Word is, is I'm not going to do the things that I struggle with all the time anymore. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. And so in my heart, I want y'all to listen to this carefully, and I don't want you to miss this. In my heart, I say, I'm going to be free from the trap. But I fail to understand this. I fail to understand this, that the number one goal, the number one goal, if y'all walk away and you don't think of anything else, I want you to remember this. The number one goal for, for Satan is to trap me and to trap you, to trap us. Why? Because it keeps us from, from freedom. And if you are free, then you will change the world with the gospel. So the number one goal for Satan is to trap us, to keep us, to hold us. And so the lure is attractive. The lure is fun. The lure is not something that's awful. Hebrews 11 says that sin is pleasurable for a season. Because if it wasn't, then we wouldn't go for it. If the peanut butter didn't taste good, I would run from it, right? If it was nasty or awful. If we really thought sin was bad and awful. And then when circumstances, listen, because it doesn't have to just be sin. It's things that entangle us is what Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says. It's the things and the sin. It's not just sin. But if those things were always horrible, we would run from them. And sometimes we can't help it, right? If you lost your job this weekend, it's made you lose your joy. Then that's not your fault. What is our fault is when we get down in it and we try to pull ourselves out of it. How often do I know what to do? And it's give up. And say, I, the only hope I've got is you. But yet what I do is I pull and I prod and I push and I go crazy. I don't chew my limbs off, but everything but that I look just like the mouse. The one that I criticize, a little bitty rodent this big, I look at him and say, what, are you stupid? No, no, I'm the one that knows better. I'm the one that knows what Jesus can give me. I'm the one that knows the freedom I can have in life. And yet every single day, God help me. I do what I don't want to do. And I don't do what I wish I would. What do I do? Oh, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. Today we're going to look at the second chapter of 1 John. And this is what I really think is good news. It may not seem like good news for a while, but eventually we're going to get to the good news. And the whole goal today, there's no points. There's one thing. We're going to break free. Together, we're going to look at each other and we're going to say from this point on, I will no longer be defined by the lure of this trap, but I will be defined by Jesus. And there is only a couple ways to do that. First and foremost, I must be free 
in Jesus and be saved. And so if you're not that, that's certainly what we want to give you before you leave. And then the second one is every single day I've got to cling to him and not cling to this. And so that's what we want to look at today. So first, first John chapter 2, verse 15. If you have your Bibles, I want you to get them out, but I also want you to get your worship guides and your pens out because I hope you'll take some notes in this. I learned stuff this week, and I want to give them to you, and hopefully you can walk away with them and maybe learn a little bit too. So watch this. This is what 1 John 15 says. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We're going to stop right there. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone does... Love the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Now, if you grew up in church like I did, you're a church person, that's what I call us, then um, you probably have seen like the world on a flannel board, right? And then, and then Jesus, and then there's like a sign pointing away and don't do this. And so it almost feels like to me when I read this, I'm not supposed to love the ground that I'm standing on because I'm in the world. And if y'all aren't matter-of-fact people like I am, where you see things black and white, maybe you don't see it like that. But I almost see like I don't get it. Like all the time people say, you shouldn't be in that old world. Run from the world. That means you shouldn't watch movies and you shouldn't do this. Right? Y'all have heard that? If you grew up in church, I promise you've heard it. You shouldn't do these things. You shouldn't do these things. That's not what it means. That's not what it means. It could, but it's not what it means. The world literally defined in the original language, should be defined like this. The invisible spiritual force that is resisting God and Jesus Christ. The invisible spiritual force that is in resistance to what God is trying to do. Well, this this starts making sense. Do not love the invisible spiritual force that is in resistance to what I am trying to do. Because if you do, how can you have a relationship with me? How can you have a relationship with me if you're going against what is the resistance against me? Well, that makes sense. It doesn't make sense to a person like me that is not a 200 IQ when you say don't love the world. I love being in the world. I like this earth, right? I like that it's going to be 85 degrees today and y'all can lay out if you want to and I'm not going to because that's weird. But if you're a dude, but if you do, it's fine. But like, I'm not going to do that, but I like, you know, baseball and I watch the Bravos and I watch the Gamecocks and I'll do all the things that I like to do and that's in the world. So why why can't I like the world? Because there's nothing wrong with that. Well, it's not talking about that. It's the world that we cannot see that is fighting so hard against it. And it includes Satan, who's not this dude in a red pitchfork with red horns. But he was the highest of all angels that fell because he so wanted to be God. And he was jealous of him. And then a third of the angels went with him. They're called demons or minions or whatever you want to call them. But they're the invisible force that is fighting against us. I believe sometimes you can see them. Because I believe they can take a human form. Because I believe angels are much like human, just a lot more scary because they're spiritual and they can be bigger but I don't think they have to be but most importantly what you need to understand before we move on to the next verse everything that they want is not only to destroy you but that's not enough right they want to push you against what God wants for you so if you if you've been here the last few weeks if you're a full pointer what you've heard us say is that, that what God wants for us is to change this community and ultimately change the world. And together, we can change the world. Well, guess who doesn't want that? The world. The invisible spiritual force that's fighting against it. So what we have to do is we have to anchor down in the anchor and not try to do this alone because that's where I get into so many problems, right? That's where I get into so many problems. And so the first thing you've got to do is establish what the world is. And, 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 and so every day, that's the trap, Right? The force that's fighting against the resistance. Well, if I'm trapped in something or some sin or other things, well, I can't 
experience life in Christ because instead I'm spending all my time trying to get out of the trap or, let's be honest, heading to the trap, right? Because we know what the lure is in our life and we know what we want to get to. So I'm either trying to spend my time, get out, and I say, God, I'm sorry, I can't believe I've done this, or I'm going with all my energy to get to it. What? Stop loving the world. Stop loving the force that's against it. We say, Pastor Mark, I love Jesus. I don't love the world. Your actions and your attitude speaks much louder than what your mouth says, and I promise you mine does, and I hate what my actions and my attitude and my life live sometimes. Pastor Mark, I really don't want to be a Christian, I'll be honest with you, because of the way that Christians are. Like, it just seems like everybody is a hypocrite. Well, this is the reason that people feel this way, right? Because we are, first of all, if we're being honest. And the second reason is because the lure is attractive. It's good. So he, then he explains what the lure is. Do not love the world or anything of the world. If you do, the love of the Father cannot abide in you because of that. But listen, for all that is in the world, three things. We're going to go over them each. Ready? The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father but from the world. So you ready? Desires of the flesh. Desires of the flesh. Desires of the flesh can be pretty simple, but let me just explain it to you like this. For instance, food. Food can be, can be a desire of the flesh. Right? And if you want to, you can write these down because this is, this is pretty cool. This is something that you can learn. I believe all sin can, be fit, can fit into these three categories. Desire, desires of the flesh. Some versions will say lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Desires of the flesh are things that I want for my flesh, my sinful nature. Right? So we know the big sins, the big bad sins, if you're a church person especially, but let's just talk about things that, that aren't supposed to be talked about. In church. So how about food? How about food? Um, say, food is not a sin. You're right. Matter of fact, my grandpa is very sick. And yesterday, the doctor patted him on the chest and said, um, Mr. Pangle, we need you to eat. Because that's fuel. It will help you get better. See, food is good. When I eat so that I can live, then that's a good thing. When I eat so that I can just keep eating... Like when I go to Pizza Inn for lunch this afternoon, if I have 14 pieces of pizza, I promise that is not eating for fuel. That is eating for belly. That is eating for pleasure. And it turns from something that is good, that is not sinful or harmful, into something that is bad. Well, that is when it turns into a desire of my flesh. Can food be that? Absolutely. That's called gluttony. That is in Scripture. That is not something that is in the seven deadly sins alone. It's also in Proverbs. Gluttony is bad. It's when my eyes see it and I want it so bad. And then it becomes something that my flesh wants, and I just start gobbling it up. And then sex. Listen, if you're married in here, sex with my wife is a gift from God. I love it. I'm grateful for it every day. I'm not even trying to make a joke. I'm serious. That is awesome. Sex is a gift from God. When you are not married, it is immorality. 1 Corinthians 13 says all other sin, or sorry, 1 Corinthians says all other sin a man commits is outside the body, but a sexual sin is a sin against the body. Honor God with your body, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So immorality is fighting directly against the gift of God that God wants. Anything outside of sex with your spouse is lust of the flesh. With your mind, with pornography, with anything else, it's lust of the flesh. And then let, let sleep. Sleep is good. You need eight hours of sleep a day. But if you lay around and you smoke weed and you don't go to work and you sleep all day long, that's called laziness. That is not sleep. If you sleep 14 hours a day and you're not sick, that is laziness. So sleep is good and we need it for life. Laziness is not. So, so certain things, like you can't categorize all sex is bad. No, sex is a, is a gift. Sex becomes desire of the flesh when I do it for me and not to fulfill how God made me, which is with my spouse. 
then there's lust of the eyes. Lust of the eyes. This is more of an intellectual desiring something. It's not, like I always used to think it was just sex, right? Because men are, um, we're attracted with our eyes, and so pornography is a bigger issue with men and things like that. And I always thought that just meant pornography because it makes sense. Well, it's actually whatever we see, and this is a big one, that can distract us from the event at hand. And so like in Joshua chapter 7, there was a battle going on, and this guy named Achan was the head commander. And it literally says in Joshua 7 that, that he had the desires of the eyes or lust of the eyes in certain translations. And his, and his mission was to defeat the enemy. And he lost his will to do what God had told him to do and Joshua had told him to do. What he was supposed to do that day, he lost the desire to do it. Why? Because it was a 50-pound 50 50 gold bar, which, by the way, it would be hard not to be turned toward a 50-pound gold bar right now, be turned just like some of y'all would, 200 shekels of silver and some really fine clothing. And so it literally says he turned away from what he was supposed to do. Why? Because he had desire of the eyes. Many of us have that. This is how you know if you have it. If what your eyes see and what you want to have is keeping you from what you're supposed to do, then you have lust of the flesh or lust of the eyes, desires of the flesh or desires of the eyes. And then pride is kind of similar but a little bit different. I believe men, in a lot of ways, struggle with pride in the full compass, in the full sense of the word, the best, because we want you to believe that we're awesome, don't we? That's what men want. It's always a contest. There's been a pride issue with men ever since they've made urinals because they can say what they want to, but there's a comparing that goes on. And I'm not even trying to make a joke. Like, it's always who's got the biggest fish or always who's got whatever. And so there's a pride issue. We always want to keep up with the Joneses. We always want to have these issues going on. And there's always, I don't quite feel good enough if I'm not better than him. It's not that I'm complete in Christ. It's that I'm not complete because I don't have. And that's where the true definition of pride of life comes in. Because it encompasses all of life. And ladies, this is where we're all in it together. This is like the keeping up with the Joneses thing, right? This is, this is one of those things like I look and a friend of mine gets this brand new 4,000 square foot house. Um, they both make really good money, and so they can afford it well within their means. And so I look at them and say, man, I'm jealous that they got this brand new brick house in the nicest neighborhood in Greenville County or in Spartanburg County, and so I wanna keep up with them, and even though I can't afford it, I'll find a way to let someone else sign off on my house, and I'll go build this house that I can't afford, but I wanna keep up with them. And so I do that, and then I get, I get underwater and stuff, and then they get, a 2014 like convertible such and such and I've got to get that so I keep up and then I've got to get this and I keep up and then furniture like I've spent all my money but I'm gonna get a credit card I'm gonna max it out eventually I'll pay that off right and it's not just that but in a lot of ways that's what it is America can I be honest with you I love America I'm not mad at living in this country I'm grateful that I live here but the American dream is this the American dream is pride of life because the pursuit of happiness should really be translated, do whatever it takes to get whatever you want so that you can be happy. Well, well translation, you're going to have 30, I think it's $28,000 is the average American's credit card debt right now. Are you freaking kidding me? I mean, that's unbelievable. And if you have that, we want to help you. There's people in our church, man, that, that we will help you. We won't give you money necessarily, but we will help you know how to start walking through it. And, and, and with what I just said, this is why I really think, this is not just four points, but let it speak to you and directly. And let me just say for the church in general, this is why more people don't give generously. Like, I'm, 
I don't like to use the word tithe a lot because I do believe it's a biblical mandate, but I believe generosity trumps tithe with the heart. That's why we put on our offering envelopes what Paul said, speaking of the church of Macedonia, that God loves a cheerful giver. You know why more people can't give cheerfully? It's because the lust of the flesh, the lust of the pride and the pride, um, pride of life, excuse me, flesh, eyes, and pride overwhelm us and the trap just entangles us. And the reason that we can't change the world the reason that we can't change the world with the gospel is because much like that mouse was in my house, we constantly look and we're trapped. Man, the lure is so good. I mean, the Bible doesn't say that sin is pleasurable for a season because it sucks. It is horrible. Certainly, any Christ follower knows this. Any Christ follower gets caught in a trap. They hate it, right? So we, a lot of us, if you know Jesus, a lot of you feel this way. We don't like it. And yet we continue to be lured by it, lured by it, lured by it. Why? What do I do? I'm so tired of living this way. If y'all have never felt this way, that is so freaking awesome. But this week, I felt this way. And I hate it. I hate knowing that there's peanut butter in the middle and knowing that I shouldn't have that. And knowing that this sticky stuff is horrible for me and I don't need it. I hate knowing that eyes and flesh and pride are what is killing me. And it's the, it's the desires of the world that I'm fighting against constantly. What do I do? Verse 17. First, I have to understand this truth, that the world, and that doesn't mean that this place that we are standing on, don't miss this, it's the invisible force that is fighting against Jesus. It's passing away along with its desires. And it may be here our entire lives. We do not know the answer to that for sure, but it is passing away. This, I'm sorry, this is passing. It stuck to me. This is passing. It will not be here. This is passing. This is temporary. This is so good right now, but it's passing away. It will be gone. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. That word abides means to remain in, to be sealed with, to be like a part of a plant. And I'm part of it because the root and the vine that goes up through, it, it remains in me. That's what John, the same author, was talking about in John 15. Abide in me and I will abide in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you cut off the source, I have no hope. Well, watch this. This is all of us if you feel like this today, and I feel like so many of us do. We get caught on the trap in our life, whatever that is for you. And it's, and it's individually speaking, it's something different for you. Circumstances, sin, whatever the case may be. In my personal life, I, I could give you a laundry list of what I feel like my traps are, and I could give you things that I don't really struggle with. And this is what I do. I hope y'all aren't like this, but I bet you are, a lot of you. I see it. I know I shouldn't do it. And I find myself testing the waters, right? Sometimes I don't even want to. Sometimes things will happen. And I'll accidentally back into the trap. Are y'all with me? And then I'll feel caught. And I do the dumbest thing you could possibly do. I do the thing that I criticized the two-inch, wrote it for, is I fight with everything in me to get out. Why? Because I'm prideful. I can free myself from all problems. I'm a man. And you don't have to be a man to struggle with pride, do you? I'm a woman. I can, I can, I can handle this. This problem is not bigger than me. I can take care of the problem. And we fight and we fight and we fight. And the worse we fight, the more stuck we feel. The more stuck we feel. The more stuck we feel. I don't know what to do. What do I do? What do I do? I'm tired of living this way. Paul, who may have been the greatest man as far as the way God used him ever other than Jesus. 
He said, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I do, I don't want to do. I don't understand this. What do I do? And this is what John tells us in verse 24. He said, let what you've heard from the beginning remain inside of you. What is that? What have we heard from the beginning? That the only hope we have is Jesus. That the only chance we have in life is Jesus. So right here with this, I want you to just consider this thought. What if when that mouse was on the trap, I had looked over and I had thought about taking that mouse up and saving it because I was the only hope that it had at that time. And even when I'm stuck, he loves me the same. Now, isn't that crazy, especially when it's self-inflicted wounds, when it's something that I've done? He doesn't change the way he cares for me. Cast all your cares on Jesus. He cares for you, like 1 Peter chapter 5 says. I love that verse because even when I'm stuck and the cares that I have in my life are my fault, he still cares for me and he still wants me to ask him for help. If I remember that I have my hope in glory and that my hope is and my future is in Jesus and I abide in him, remain in him, remain in him, remain in him, then I have a chance, then I have hope. If I try to do it myself, I have no hope. If, you, if what you've heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. Then I can have fellowship with him because not only is he in me, because he gives me the gift of the Holy Spirit the day that I trust him as Savior. He gives to me new life and in me springs up a bubbling well that is overflowing because it never runs dry and it's his Holy Spirit. Well, if that happens and I remain in him, it says right here, he remains in me as well. And this is the promise that he made to us eternal life. Well, well here's the deal, here's the deal. And this is what I thought about all week, right? When I looked over at that mouse when I'm watching that show and I see it stuck and I see it going crazy, the only chance that mouse had in this world was me. I promise Leah wasn't going to touch it. It was me to get a big work glove on and pick up the trap that looked almost exactly like this and pry it free. Man, the trap is so big, Mark. You don't know about my life. The trap is so big. What do I do? No, do you, the trap is tiny compared to me and compared to God. I'm an ant, much smaller than that. The trap is nothing. God is so much greater than any of my circumstances or any of my failures or any of my fears. God is so much bigger than that. At the moment that I will look at the master, the Lord of my life and say, God, I'm stuck on this thing, man. I really want to remain in you, but so often I get lured by the trap. I know sometime again in my life I'm going to get lured. But I want, what I want to do today is break free. I want to have freedom. I don't want to do these things anymore that keeps me from the joy. That is what worldliness is, by the way. When someone says you are worldly, it is anything in our lives that keeps me from the joy that I should have in Jesus. I want to have the joy in you. I don't want to be worldly. I don't want to be caught up in the invisible thing that, that is forcing me against you. I don't want to be lured by the trap. And the only hope I have is Jesus standing between me and this trap. And what if I had gone over to that mouse and I just pried it free and plucked it out and set it free in the grass? That would have been grace. That would have been true grace. Here's what's crazy about Jesus. That's what he offers for every one of us. That's why he came to die on the cross. He didn't come to die so that you could just have a life and be tortured constantly. Is the Christian life hard? Man, it's really hard sometimes. It's 
really hard sometimes. But this is why he came. He came so that you could be given the right to be called the righteousness of God, a child of God. And most importantly, you need to understand this. The number one goal, the goal for Satan is to trap me. And I'm telling you, that is it. He wants to keep you. He's worldly, so he wants to keep you from the joy that you have in Jesus. Everything in him wants to do that. But the goal for Jesus is freedom from the trap. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus has come, that you can have life, to have freedom, to have it abundantly. I've got to ask myself this question today, whether you're a Christ follower or not. Is that the definition of my life? When people see me, do they see someone trapped that is angry and hurting, constantly upset, trying to fight myself? And I don't, I'm telling you, I've been with you. I fought, I have tried to fight. It is time to stop fighting and give up and surrender and say, Jesus, the only hope I have is you. Fighting against what you don't wanna do is just as much a distraction as anything else until I say, God, you can have everything. I have nothing. I am hopeless. I have no future. No matter if it was your fault or not, listen carefully. No matter if it's sin or just bad circumstances, if anything like that is keeping you from Jesus, it is time today to say, God, I don't know what to do in these circumstances and I don't know if you're gonna take them away. But all I want you to do is pick me up and set my feet on the rock and that's what he promises us. Because I'm telling you, we all the time say we are four points. What we mean by that is at the moment that we have our feet removed from the trap, have our bodies removed from the trap, have our minds removed from the trap and say, set me free. There's no limit to what we can do in Jesus. Romans 8, 11, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that lives inside of you if I abide in him and he in me. But so often the thing that keeps me from that power, from that energy cycle is not his ability to change the world, his desire to change the world. He sent Jesus for goodness sakes. That's how much he wanted you to have life. But the thing that keeps me from it is me and the trap and the lure and the bait that I'm constantly, constantly, constantly going to. The only hope we have today is to simply raise our hands and say, Jesus, I need you. I don't know what to do next, but you do. So I give my life to you. And for some of you, that means for the very first time you get saved. Will you pray with me? God, I believe in this room that you're moving. And I just pray right now that whatever it takes, people will be completely and totally transparent and honest before you. Will you keep your heads bowed and eyes closed very quickly? Pastor Mark, man, I'm gonna be honest with you. I've heard the message of the gospel before. Maybe today's your very first time. What my desire is for my life is to have freedom. And the truth is I have never really offered myself up as a sacrifice to God and said, God, I've tried everything in the world. I've tried to be a good person. And what I realize about that is there's no good people. I've tried all these other things, and I, but I've never surrendered everything to you. I've never given you my heart and I've never given you my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross and forgive me for what I have done against you. Now save me, save me right now. On the count of three, wherever you are in the room, on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand up. Guys, I'm telling you, this is the greatest gift we could possibly give you. This is Jesus coming down and plucking you free in the worst concrete you could possibly imagine. He breaks the coldest hearts and melts the heart of stone. On the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand if you say, Mark, today I want salvation. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand if that's you. All over the room, raise your hand. I want salvation. I want to be free. Hey, everybody, look up at me real quick. Look up at me real quick. Here's the question, okay? And I'm asking y'all to keep looking around. Um, 
I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hands because I've, I've watched you and you've watched me. So I know some of you are struggling with this, and this is the thing that I want you to do. If that's you and you've struggled with it, I want you to find somebody that you trust. Make sure that you trust them, okay? Make sure that you trust them. A friend, one of our pastors, one of our awesome volunteers, and I want you to go to them and say, man, I'm really struggling with the trap. Here's what I'm struggling with. I need you to pray for me because the truth is I can't do this thing alone. Guess what? Welcome to the party. I can't either. I've got people in my life that are sitting at the sound booth right now that I talk to every single week about my struggles because they're my accountability. And if I don't, guess where I end up? With that peanut butter, man, because it's good. So I'm asking y'all, I'm telling y'all, not just asking y'all, we can change the world, but it's up to you. It's up to you to do what God wants for you. You answer the question like this, do I have joy from Jesus or is there a distraction and a lure that has trapped me to cause my life not to be free in Jesus? Will you stand with me? Two things real quick. First one is tonight at 5 o'clock. Uh, we will be having our youth small group, student small group. I'd love for everybody to come. If you have students, bring them. It's going to be a lot of fun. 5 to 6. The second thing is Friday night. We're fixing to show you all the video. Every lady, every lady in our church, y'all need to be here. 7 to 9, it is going to be so much fun for you guys. You need to invite your friends. Um, we just ask a what if question. What if we were free from the bondage of what keeps us in the trap? This will be much more specific to that and much more free, freeing from that. Can you get me? So please make sure y'all are here. One thing, we're going to give y'all these. Thank you. We're going to give y'all these. Um, as you leave, and it's just a little sticky trap, but it's not, it's the big ones. Um, and it can be placed places is why we did these. And on the back, it says the number one goal for Satan is to trap me, but the goal for Jesus is freedom from the trap. I want y'all to place these somewhere in your house, in your car, somewhere that you'll see them and a kid or something can't get a hold of them, you know, because it is pretty sticky on the inside. But place it somewhere that reminds you, I need Jesus to get in between me and the trap and to set me free. And it's every single day of your life. And so, as you go, we're going to give you one of these with this on the back, but do that. Listen, we have child care. It's going to be awesome. Please come, ladies. We will see y'all Friday night, and then again Sunday. We love y'all. Watch this video. Be the church. Okay, ladies, this event is just for you. On May 9th from 7 until 9 o'clock, we're going to be having a for-women-only event called What If. I'm going to be speaking, sharing a little bit about my heart, the what-if questions that hold us back in terms of the fears we have, and the what-if questions we have that have the potential to revolutionize our lives. We invite you to come out and join us as we are led in worship by the Four Points Band. Bring your friends, bring your family. It's going to be a great night just for ladies.